Welcome to the midweek Mission Ridge podcast known as Footnotes. Footnotes is here to give you some of the stuff that we didn't have time to cover in the sermon and encourage you to dig in deeper as you study the text. So let's dive in and check out what's in the footnotes. Welcome to another episode of Footnotes. Glad to have you with us on the podcast today. It's your normal crew of Rob Croyle. Hello. Jennifer Bartlett. Hi. And your favorite Logan Daly. <laughs> I think I'm probably your only Logan Daly, but you know, who cares? Uh, all right, let's just dive right in here. Favorite what a, first. What? Favorite first. Favorite first. Favorite first. I, I don't know, something like that. First mention. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> let's just dive right in here. What a what a what a delight it was to be back in church this weekend with mm. our people. Oh, yes. it was so good. It was so oh, good. Oh man, I didn't know. I did not realize that it would be so good. Yeah. I was not aware that I would be so giddy with excitement to be standing in front of people with my guitar and to strum a chord and be like, we all going to sing together. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, I almost got emotional. Almost. Almost. Yeah, for those of you that know, that that's a thing. Anyway. Uh, so, yeah. It was absolutely wonderful wonderful to be back together. And uh, Rob dropping some, dropping some heavy heat in the sermon. That was a good one. It was. That was a good one. Also, Rob's notifications still dinging at him. <laughs> he's a popular guy, that Robbie Croyle. Anyway, he's staring at his do screen like, dis- what, are, what are you doing? <laughs> do not disturb has just been turned on. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Rob dropping some heat. We were talking about Abimelech and Abraham. 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 Uh, which I find it, I, I do find it kind of funny. Um, we've got, uh, I've uh, heard this conversation at least twice now with people who, uh, the, cause we, we do the, we do the kind of a weird pronunciation as opposed to the Abraham, Father uh, Abraham. right. <laughs> uh, we, we, we kind of screw with the pronunciation a little bit. Um, just because the people that we listen to a lot use that pronunciation, um, and so I, I mimic people. It's what I do. I'm sorry. I never have an original thought. I just copy those that go before me. Y'all are way too smart. Um, <laughs> throwing a throwing shout out there. Anyway, um, so we, we copy those. And so it's a slightly different. And I know like uh, one of the guys in my care group, it bugs the heck out of him uh, when I like it was driving him absolutely crazy because I was saying Avram instead of Abram or Avraham instead of Abraham, and uh, he was like, I, "I just you, you, you're killing me, Logan." And so, <laughs> so in my care group, I now use the very, very, very Americanized Abraham pronunciation just for funsies. But uh, yeah, I just thought we've had that conversation with a couple people where I've heard that being talked about, where it just you know, it gets people's wheels turning slightly differently, and mm-hmm. I don't know, I think it's kind of fun. Anyway. So we were talking Abraham and Abimelech. Uh, Rob, we were talking this this concept of wanderer and sojourner. Mm. And there's a slight difference there. And yeah. where this comes from. Yeah, so the uh, the Hebrew word for wanderer, and, and it's, it's interesting to read through a story that you've read through so many times, and then all of a sudden it's like, huh, I wonder what that word means in Hebrew. And that's what I did in this particular story. I hadn't looked at this particular piece before, 
And when I'm looking at this, this word is like to err. And I'm like, whoa, that's, mm. that is an interesting word. And error being E-R-R. Yeah, correct, to yeah. err, to, ca- to be caused, or to cause to err, or error, error, to error. Error. Yeah, so easy for me to say. Um, so we, in the English, uh, throughout the Bible, this word is translated deceive, deceiving, to err, to go astray, uh, to lead them astray, leads to ruin, stagger, stray, wander, wandered, reels, misled. Mm. You know, it's a very negative word, and and just just the language when God caused me to err, to wander. Mm. I'm like, oh, how many times have I accused God? When God caused me to screw up. Yes. Mm. I've yes. definitely never said that. Yeah. <laughs> nope, never. <laughs> <laughs> you made you me this? do it, Lord. That was sarcasm. If it wasn't for you, my life would be okay. That's um, yeah, it's the epitome right. of right. Yeah. Mm, foolishness yeah. there. So, <laughs> which uh, which a lot of these translate like the way this is translated. A number of times, like you get the sense of what we call a backsliding in, mm-hmm. in Christianese. Classic Christianese. Mm-hmm. Throw uh, a little hedge of protection and echo that backsliding. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> you said <laughs> a cross between church lady and uh, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it a hedge? Like, what is a bush going to do? <laughs> You're just gonna. It's. Mm, I, I'm. Mm, I don't know. They can't see you. That's a hedge of protection. They can't see you. They're. You're there. Yep. yep. Well, some uh, hedges can be. They can be problematic. Yeah. They had to deal with those in World War II, right? Going back through France, and there was all those giant hedges that they had to go work through. And. All right, you've proven your point. I would just pray mm. for like a circle of tigers around me or something. You know. <laughs> <laughs> God, we just pray for a tiger circle of protection. (laughs) (laughs) All right, back to backsliding. We Uh, have backslidden away from backsliding. (laughs) So, again, I think it's it's just an interesting thing to dwell on. How many times have we blamed God for our poor decisions? Like, you've put me in this position. I had no choice. I had to go deeper in debt. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, you put me in this position. I had no choice. I had to tell a lie. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, that's, it's just, I think it's a very common, it's a very common uh, human expression that sure. God, caused me to error. Mm-hmm. And I just and and the fact that the scriptures just so plainly throws it out there I find just super fascinating. Yeah. So here's a question then that's not on our list, but so what's how would you define the difference between backsliding and blaming God for something and struggling 
with trusting God. Like you're going through something hard and you're like, I just don't know that I can trust that God's going to take care of me in this. Like, is that backsliding Mm. or is that like, I feel like it's more of like a faith crisis, but like, what are your thoughts on that? (coughs) Or yours? (laughs) I, so I think backsliding is a perspective thing. It's where, it, from from a human being standpoint, we see in a period of time, oh, the, this person isn't living like they used to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We see we see those moments with very limited information. Not like the mm-hmm. scriptures. Like the scriptures is is pretty clear on motives and right. And what God was doing, like we we don't always in the moment we don't always see those things, and so I I don't even, I don't know if I even like the idea of uh, labeling someone as backsliding. I I think backsliding could be possibly applied to both mm-hmm. of those scenarios that you that you that you throw out there. I think that I could blame God for backsliding. Mm-hmm. That could be possible. Or I could be backsliding because of a lack of trust. Mm-hmm. I think both of those are possible. Um, both of those might be actually blaming God might be a coping mechanism for not trusting. Mm-hmm. I could I could see that being a justification in my mind. Yeah. Possibly. I think the they're probably all very interconnected. Right. In many ways. Well, and I wonder if like there's this moment of a faith crisis and you can either choose to push through it, which maybe in that moment you're like I just don't know that I trust God in this, mm-hmm. which I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing to admit. Like, this is hard. I'm struggling. Or you can say, so you push through it or you're like, I don't want to deal with this. And that's where the backsliding comes in, you know, like, mm. oh, faith crisis. I'm out. Like, rather than. Yeah, I here's what as I've processed through this stuff while you guys were talking, this is where I think backsliding comes in versus um, lacking trust or or your trust your trust level is lacking, but it's still growing, moving forward. In this story, we could see elements of Abraham's story still moving forward. Mm-hmm. Usually, when when someone identifies someone as having as backsliding. Like there's a sense that they've given up, mm-hmm. they've stopped trying, and and maybe there's still this hope that someday they will start mm. trying again. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like jumping in the, well, climbing climbing a mountain and you slide back down, and you just like you stop trying to move forward. You just kind of you're just going with the flow, mm-hmm. and. Um, not really pressing in, you've kind of tossed in the tossed to- in the towel, tossed mm-hmm. in the towel, as it were, 
And so mm-hmm. I, I think that's maybe where, where people say, again, yep, they're backsliding because from what they could see, there's not, there's, there's definitely a, a large level of distrust, but there's also this sense of, I'm not in the fight anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm not pressing into the fact that I've got fears. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, mm. and and we can see, and there's, and in a person's life, I think there's these pockets, like not, there's a lot of redemptive things going on in Abraham's life still in this story, but there's this pocket, there's this area, it's like walking into one room that you forgot to clean, it's like, whoa, sure, <laughs> what happened here? Um yeah, after 50 years, it's kind of like, man, there's a lot of mold in here. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of decay. There's a lot, you know, and there, there was that, this seems to be, uh, for Abraham, this pocket, this room that is has the same problems, and actually the problems are growing. Right. Mm-hmm. Cool. I like that. I think the other part to this whole conversation about wandering versus sojourning is wandering is dwelling on the fear. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And sojourning recognizes the risks and just moves through it, but presses in anyway. Mm. Right. And I've seen people, and I and in my life, I've been in both camps. Like, there's been times where, in a very, very similar situations where I'm focused on the fear. I don't, I don't have any finances, mm-hmm. or my finances are not sufficient, or so that's pressing into the fear. The other side is, you know, what God keeps providing in amazing ways. Right. I'm still vulnerable. I'm still dependent. Um, I'm not, you know, my job situation in that time hasn't necessarily changed, mm-hmm. but I'm pressing in. And so I've been, I've been on both sides of that where I felt like the wanderer felt like the sojourner. Sure. Yeah. Nice. All right. Well, one of the other larger aspects of the sermon that you dug into a little bit was talking about coping. Uh, and you had a big old list. Actually, I might have it somewhere around here. I don't. I don't know where I put it. Nope, I had it somewhere. Yeah, now it's gone. I've got it. You had a big old list of coping mechanisms, uh, coping behaviors. Yeah, there's negative you... ones. Or there's negative coping mechanisms. There's positive coping mechanisms. We we did identify some of the negative ones: uh, bottling up emotions, or or maybe having extreme emotions like explosive anger. Uh, there's using, there's using sex to bring comfort. Sure. Uh, there's withdrawal, there's comfort eating, self-mutilation, isolation, denial, escapism. There's abusing alcohol or, or using, using drugs to cope. Sure. Mm -hmm. Some sort of substance. Yeah. And we, we dug into the, we're digging into this a little bit more in some of our care group questions this week, um, which is a great conversation. Maybe not an easy conversation, but a good conversation to have. 
Yeah. <clears throat> so I encourage you to, it, in your care groups, dig into that, um, press in. But one of the things that came out uh, in one of my discussions this week was the there's good coping and there's bad coping. And that th- I think there there might be there might be some worth to distinguishing that not all coping is bad and a good coping behavior can become a bad coping behavior um, in that there's I think there's a there's a little bit of, of the motive behind it and possibly, if the coping mechanism is controlling you or if you are utilizing the coping mechanism to overcome a traumatic situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I could think of some examples. So let's talk about some positive coping mechanisms first, and then we could talk about what. Sure. Yeah. So a positive coping mechanism is exercise. Absolutely. Exercise can be a great coping mechanism. Yep. Meditation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Prayer. Journaling. Yeah. Or some other ones. I'm running out. Resting. <laughs> Resting. Um, music. Being, being in nature. Sure. Um, now, all of these that we're listing, I can also think of the flip side of some of these. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, um, so for example nature right or music or reading or anything like that those can be okay they can help you get away from whatever is uh driving you to have a limbic response and uh whatever trauma is going on and it can give you a chance to get away and process and work through that or they can turn into escapism Mm -hmm. which was on that list right 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 So, yes, I might need to check out for a bit so I can process, and I'm going to go read my book, or I'm going to go play a video game, or I'm going to go play music, or whatever. And that can be okay, or it can turn into something, it can turn into a crutch, and now I'm going to, the now that, that coping mechanism, or exercise, I might go... Hypothetically, I could go to the gym. Now, we all know that would never happen. Come on, <laughs> Logan, psh, at a gym? Psh, that's crazy. Um, self-deprecating humor. That might be a coping mechanism, too. Um, <laughs> Sarcasm. Yikes. Oh. That got real. Uh, anyway. <laughs> you so didn't want to be vulnerable dodging. today. <laughs> I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. I take it back. I take it back immediately. Um, anyway. <laughs> so that could be like that could be a good thing. Or it can be something that becomes a crutch and I become uh, dependent on that I have to go to the gym, I have to go to the gym because I'm using that to avoid dealing with whatever is causing me to need the coping mechanism. Right, right, right. right. Or even more so, I can become dependent on the coping mechanism unto itself. Think about uh, if you've got somebody who's dependent on a chemical whether that be alcohol or whatever, insert whatever you want there. Um, so if I am using alcohol as a coping mechanism for whatever situation, and eventually I become chemically dependent upon that, now the coping mechanism, which 
wasn't a very good one in the first place. Let's be honest. That's not a great one. Um, it's really hard to justify that one as a healthy one. So that coping mechanism has now become something that is a problem unto itself, and it's become its own sort of monster. That can happen with exercise. Well, during, I've seen that happen with people during with COVID. Actually. When we were I'm raising w- my hand over here, <laughs> <laughs> not right now, but in the past, <laughs> self-deprecating humor again. <laughs> Oof. When we were during the lockdown sure. and the and the gyms were closed, I found the tension. I could feel the tension building in my body because I wasn't going to the gym like I was. Mm. I have a tendency to work out probably five, six times a week. So getting back into a rhythm of exercise is a step, but it's not the only step. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it, be, it, could be, it can be a way of, of uh, avoidance, uh, isolation. Sure. You know. It can turn into a way to numb. Mm-hmm. And so knowing why there's so much stress being built up within my body Mm-hmm. In the first place, yep. like having self-awareness, which is something we talk about actually quite a bit, uh, is is super important. Um, I think the other thing, I, I was thinking about this, and it would have been hard to get into in our sermon, but uh, Dr. Dai, um, in the Genesis process, talks about these vows that we make. Mm-hmm. And uh, Abraham says to his wife... When you're asked, tell them you're my sister. Right. That's a vow. Yeah. He made her make a vow. She took a vow. He took a vow. This is how we're going to address it. This is how we're going to provide safety and security for our, our nomadic family. Mm-hmm. Well, people have made vows of, I have never gone to church again. Right. They've sure. made vows, I will never trust a man again. I will never let them hurt me like that. Yep. I will never be vulnerable again. I will never let myself get hurt because I've been vulnerable. Yikes. Did that one hit? That might have. (laughs) And and so that that's just another thing that we should consider. Like in understanding our past, understanding what, what resides below the surface in our heart. Sure, and that that needs to be part of the journey, and I, and I really believe that. So the circumstance doesn't doesn't create the coping mechanism; it, it just reveals what's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This it, this ties in with your your uh, you talk about potholes, or I I forget how you the I called them potholes. Yeah, uh, but you called the uh, understanding. What did you call them initially? It was in your I believe it was a, one of the applications. But we talked about potholes and the, these things that cause you to stumble up. They put they can push you into your coping mechanisms. Right, might be a way to look at it. Um, yeah, I, I just call them coping mechanisms. And okay, I don't so, remember what I put on the board originally when we yeah, were dreaming, that. dreaming and scheming what to preach. Similar to the concept of knowing your shadow or the mm-hmm. potholes, your stumbling blocks. Uh, mm-hmm. These are all phrases that have probably been thrown around that you might be familiar with. But these understanding, the self-awareness to understand what's going to drive you into the coping mechanism. Because you can address the coping mechanism and replace the quote-unquote bad coping mechanism with a quote-unquote good coping mechanism, right? Like, I'm going to give up overeating and instead use working out to cope. 
Well, if I'm not dealing with that pothole, that stumbling block, that part of my shadow, whatever, whatever is driving me to cope, right. if I don't deal with that, me working out, not a healthy coping mechanism right. compared to it, it's still, it's still not helping because it's allowing me to avoid dealing with that initial problem. Right. right. So yeah. there you go. Good versus bad coping. Mm-hmm. Yeehaw. Go and discuss this in your care group. <laughs> Fun. <laughs> no, it is actually good. That's me deflecting with humor. Uh, all right. <clears throat> you mentioned that there is a chiasm. Of course there is. What? A chiasm in Genesis? That never happens. I am so shocked. That was, that was a lot of sarcasm. I'm going to wipe that off the microphone now. All right. So in verses uh, 3 through 7 of Genesis 20, um, initially God comes to Abimelech and says, you are a dead man, which <laughs> I don't want God coming to me in my dreams like that. I don't know about you. I, that would wake me up. I'd be, I'd be pretty, pretty alert to that. And the other side of this chiasm, he says, if you don't handle this correctly, you're going to die. Um. So that's the first level of the chiasm. The next level, the B level of the chiasm, is uh, she is a man's wife. Um, and then the other side of the chiasm, he says, restore the man his wife. And um, and then the next level of the chiasm, uh, Bemlik says, hey, I haven't touched her. Mm-hmm. And God says, I know, I didn't let you touch her. So that's the... That's the next level of the chiasm. And right, right at the center of the chiasm, uh, Abimelech says, in the integrity of my heart, um, I have done this. Mm-hmm. And God says, yep, I agree with you, in the integrity of your heart. In fact, uh, Abimelech says, are you going to slay a righteous nation? Which is so interesting because that's the calling of Abraham. Is to be a person of righteousness and justice, mm-hmm. and a nation, and a nation, because he's father of nations, and and yet the uh, the heathen is acting more righteous mm-hmm. in the story than the righteous man. Yeah, yeah, and and I've seen that play play out in my own life. You know where. Someone comes to me and like, why did you handle that that way? Aren't you supposed to be like a Christian or something? Oof. Oh. Yeah. Oof. The, <laughs> and, right there, that bites. Words from from like, uh, and this going this goes back to like my military days, where where some of my buddies, you know, that I knew for twenty years, I've known for at this point thirty plus years, um, not followers mm-hmm. of Christ, and you're like. Are, are Christians supposed to be doing this? No. <laughs> no, they're not. Oh, man. Rob, you're backsliding. Oh. oh. oh look at that. Yikes. Yeah, I'm wondering. Called out for backsliding by the heathen. I'm Aaron. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> Must be God's fault. <laughs> oh, no. oh, nope. Please Ow. go listen nope. to the Own it, Rob. Own it. Yikes. Yeah. No, that I mean, that's you see Abraham's being deceptive and not really re- living this out here. Abimelech, that heathen pagan king, 
acting more righteous. And yet he pays. Yeah. It costs him to do the right thing. To do the right thing. Yeah, and and he's almost generous in this. And that's mm-hmm. and that's more like Abraham usually is. Like this is Abimelech is more like Abraham in this story than Abraham is like Abraham in yeah. this story. I wonder I wonder if God is calling Abraham out. Mm-hmm. If he's kind of sticking it to him through Abimelech here and through Abimelech's behavior, if God's kind of like, if he's doing this, what should you be doing, dude? Mm. Right. You know? Yeah. It's a, yeah, that's a, you could, you could probably, you could probably make something of that. Well, and how, like, Sarah's like 90 at this point. Like, how? She is a looker. How like yeah? Can we just can we just remember? I it's easy to forget. She is ninety years old, and Abimelech still like want hey. me some of that. You're gonna be my wife. Like shoot, what the heck? Dang! <laughs> my goodness, my goodness. Of course, Abraham probably doesn't look too bad either, because if he's passing as her brother. It's a much older brother. That's <laughs> as opposed to her grandfather. Right. Which so, that's how I envision him. He's like Gandalf. Older. Right. But I mean, they they gotta be they, there's some good genes there. There's some good genes. They age well. Mm-hmm. They age well. And I'm gonna leave that there before I say something I regret. <laughs> Pressing on. <laughs> oh, so there's this chiasm there. And this uh, uh this Abimelech there's this odd phrase there. This what did you see? Yeah. Well, so first the way that sentence starts out and a and Abimelech said this phraseology in Hebrew, the author's hinting that there's a that the the first questions that Abimelech asks of Abraham go unanswered. This is in verse 9. Yeah. So what have you done to us, and how have I sinned against you that you have brought on me and my kingdom a great sin? You have done to me things that ought not to be done. And Abimelech said to him, what did you see? So between verse 9 and verse 10, there's a pause. There's a there's awkward a silence. Yep. And, you know, sweats on the brow. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, the pit of uh, Abraham's stomach is turning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he says, what did you see that you did this thing? And this is when Abraham finally responds. He says, I did it because I thought there's no fear of God at all in this place. Now, on one hand, Abraham is incorrect. He is incorrectly judged. Mm-hmm. These people, and and I've done that. I've incorrectly judged people, and I think I think we need to be really <coughs> slow. Like there's a there's a difference, and maybe a fine line between being discerning and and judging. Right. Um, you know, to if we're gonna discern, if we're gonna engage with people, if we're gonna know what we should or shouldn't be doing in relationship with them, that. There should be some discernment there. 
Uh, mm-hmm. As parents, we use discernment all the time when our kids bring a, a friend over. You're like, hmm, not letting my kids spend the night at that house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's based, a winner. Based off of, you know, whatever. Sure. You know, but, but we're asked to use discernment. But Avraham uh, has misjudged these people. But on the other hand, like if you have the fear of God in you, I should probably see something. Mm. There should probably be fruit that indicates what's going on inside your heart. Mm-hmm. Like there should be, your external action should say something. And so something was amiss here. And and I think all of us have lived with that where there are moments, there are times, uh, maybe even long periods of time where our actions don't act, match up to our belief system. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the story here. So, what did you see? What did you see? Mm. Cool. Cool. So, uh, one of the larger points of the sermon that you had at the end there was this concept of a loving union, which uh, you didn't disappoint. Uh, You managed to call out every guy in the room for feeling awkward about that. Yes, he did. Um, In fact, I was sitting... Who is... I think Rachel Lewing was standing in the back with me when you asked this this question, and uh, I was I was like one of the only ones to raise my hand or whatever, and then I turned to her and I made the crack like it's too and we both kind of said it at the same time to each other, whispered it under our breaths like it's too awkward or we, none of us want to be vulnerable to admit that, <laughs> and then about five seconds later you say that from up front. Which then cracks both of us up in the back. It was really quite hilarious. This concept of uh, forming a loving union with your God, Mm -hmm. uh, which sounds so ooshy-gooshy, to quote Care Group last night. Uh, Yeah, ooshy-gooshy. I love it. (laughs) Get me with a spoon. That's horrible. Uh, I'll fight my way through it. But um, (laughs) You're so... Just, it goes against all that is man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this this concept of a loving union, intimately tied with the concept of Sabbath, mm-hmm. yes. which you also mentioned we will be talking about later on this summer. We'll be digging into that. So I'm so excited. Oh my goodness. Yeah, Jen is just giddy with excitement to talk about Sabbath. Meanwhile, I'm like, oh, this is going to hurt. Um, Conviction abound. <laughs> slash Logan's bad at Sabbath for anyone who hasn't figured that out yet. Um, so let, let's 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 dive into this conversation a little bit. Let's let's just dip our toes into the proverbial ocean that is Sabbath today, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe get people moving in the right direction. What does Sabbath look like in this loving union? You know, I, I think uh, for me, it may be helpful to start with what does it not look like. Okay. All right. I like that. Because uh, I feel like, and tell me if I'm wrong, my perception is in American Christianity, Sabbath seems more like wandering than sojourning. Mm-hmm. Oh, full circle. That's so true. 
Yeah, that's not wrong. You know, so we have the. I've grown up with a negative connotation, and I've and I've heard more negative conversations about Sabbath <clears throat> than I've sure. than I've heard positive conversations, and and the positive mm-hmm. conversations I've heard are like amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter Scazzaro talks about. Uh, his wife being over in Israel, and these two boys were running past this pastor table. She was, I think, at a restaurant, and they were singing in Hebrew, and she didn't know what they were singing because she doesn't speak Hebrew, and she asked the the clerks, what's going on there? Mm-hmm. Like, they were, the boys were giddy. And it was Friday, heading towards evening, mm-hmm. and... The clerk says, oh, they're just super excited for Shabbat, which is their word for Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And th- th- it just floored her. I mean, she never thought of Sabbath as being something to be delighted in. Mm-hmm. Let's juxtapose that against Logan, which is usually, oh, crap, I don't have everything done. Oh, crap, I don't have everything done. I'm supposed to be starting Sabbath here in an hour, and I don't have everything done. Ugh, dumb Sabbath. Why, why do I have to stop working? Yeah, that's me. Yeah. It's a happy, joyful song, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, right. uh, the company that you bought, our video mixer. Yeah. They, they told you up front that... Uh, I, that was Passover. Yeah, they were yeah, heading, but yeah, they were heading towards Passover. Uh huh. But they they that same company's also not open on Black Friday. Yep. Yeah, they will close down. They will close down on Black Friday, and avoid all of those possible sales that they could have because it's Shabbat. That's yeah. so cool. That's, I mean, that's a thing. Yeah. Well, and to go back to your comment about like what Sabbath is not, it's not just a day off. Like it's not just a like, well, it is a day off, but it's not like a, oh, it's just a day for me to catch up on laundry. And like, it's supposed to be a day where you you rest and you worship and you like actually have those long medium conversations with the Lord. Um, Yes. So while seeing a movie isn't bad, is that something you should do on Sabbath or is that something you do on a day off? Like, is that bringing you worship and rest to be closer to your creator or is it just a thing that you do to check out? Well, and I, and I feel in America, what I've observed is we want to rest on days we should be working mm-hmm. and then we work on days we should be resting. Right. Because to do Sabbath well, you have to have preparation. Like, like Logan, you said, "Oh, I'm not done. I got to get everything done." Yeah, I, I got to get everything done before I can. Like, otherwise, I'm not going to be doing the Sabbath. Like, I'm gonna. Mm-hmm. It's gonna bleed over. I'm gonna be working. Mm-hmm. Whether that's laundry, whether that's whatever my to do list had at the office, I'm like, I got to get that done beforehand in yeah. order to. And be we, able to rest. And what's uh, the tension here is the doing versus the being. Yep. There's things I have to do. If I don't do it, who's going to do it? Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. 
I'm just, I'm a being. Right. Yeah. Like I've, I've created to be. And Sabbath, Jesus says, is created for man. Mm-hmm. Sabbath was also on day seven, Sabbath was set apart. It was made holy. Mm-hmm. Long before uh, Moses and the tablets, long before all this was written down and codified, God. And so if he made that holy, then why is it that we don't treat it as holy now, right. American Christians? And in the distinctive between the Christians and the Jews in the first century was not that they celebrate Sabbath on Sunday, but they celebrate Sabbath and the resurrection, and they took two days off. Mm-hmm. That was the distinctive of the first century church. The rest of the world took no days off. The Jews took one day off, and the Christians were like, hmm, we got a Sabbath and, and celebrate. We celebrate the resurrection. Yes. Those lazy Christians. <laughs> yes. We or, Sabbath and we party. <laughs> or very intentional. Yep. Monday through Friday. Mm-hmm. It's true. You got to, if you... Nose to the grindstone Monday through Friday, and then you can rest way better on weeks that I do manage to get that. Um, it that feels real good. Mm-hmm. So I, when we talk about this, we're going to take four weeks in August, I believe, to talk through Sabbath, and the challenge will be to talk about this from a very positive standpoint because we just kind of had a very negative conversation about her negative views on like well yeah i mean uh, we're starting from this like what is it what does it not look like well we're not necessarily good at this um and i've been i've been actively pursuing getting better at this and it was looking decent pre-covid and then covid did a number it came it came in like you know like off the top rope and just like pile drived me isn't it funny that we were stuck at home for three months and sabbath the practice of sabbath got worse not better like you would think like yeah i can't go anywhere it didn't i mm. but you know like you would think like it would have made it but logically but no that was not the case for me yeah because i I think i think part of sabbath is it's a conversation of developing rhythms Mm -hmm. because there is a rhythm to sabbath right there is a rhythm and a cycle and a pattern that comes out and you you see it in sabbath and you see it in the jewish festivals and there's this work rest rhythm that think we're probably designed for right. mm. um, well, i love it when like peter scazzaro or john mark comer they call it a practice because like people don't go into the nfl and are great at it like they have practiced and they've worked at it and they've failed like mm-hmm. you know like it's something you get better at over time you so i'm like oh yeah like that makes sense so like 
if you're doing Sabbath for the first time this week and you're like, man, I don't know what to do. This is so boring. Like, all right, well, just try it again next week and figure, like, mm. <laughs> if you keep doing it, it'll get a little better. And so. Well, and Marty Solomon says that when people first start practicing Sabbath, they'll call them and, and they'll be like, am I doing this right? Mm-hmm. Which is back to doing instead of being. Right. And I'm pretty sure I've sent him that text message. <laughs> <laughs> I feel very called out. So <laughs> so I think this is an area of discipleship that, by and large, we've lacked. Mm. Um, the Seventh-day Adventist, I think, actually, in many ways, does this really, really well. And and we've looked, we've looked on them and like... Like they're crazy. Come on, guys. <laughs> It's not the resurrection day. Those crazy seventh dayers. You know, um, <laughs> I'm more happy to use their building on Sundays, but because <laughs> they won't be there. Oh jeez! Oh my gosh! I mean, <laughs> but they—you're—you they, got a point. They do this possibly a whole lot better than a lot of us. Yeah, and the—I have a friend here in Missoula that when she talks about her experience as a kid, oh man. The, the delight that she experienced <clears throat> through that mm-hmm. and the time spent with family and and playing games and reading books and going on walks and and the meals like the the sure. celebratory meal that started it all mm-hmm. and the effort that went into that on a weekly basis and it's it's so rich and for and she just she has a very simple delight in her savior. Yeah. Uh I grew up Seventh day Adventist. I don't know if you guys knew that. Uh so oh. I remember like those moments of like after church, the whole church family would go eat together and like it was just this like like she you were saying, it was a celebration and so yeah, it was pretty great. So I have two friends. Two. You have two. Oh. Two friends in Missoula. <laughs> oh, Man. That's not too bad. <laughs> Maybe someday you'll be my friend too. Then you can have three. <laughs> I'm working on it. <laughs> or or maybe I'll have three friends that practice Sabbath. <laughs> Yikes. That might be a while. <laughs> mm, practice it? Good at it? Two very different things. Anyway, well, that's uh, that's 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 a good way to dip our toes into that. Start uh, digging into that. Start working on that. Uh, maybe not working on it. Maybe that's bad phrasing. Start uh, practicing that. Right. I don't know. I don't know how to word it. Just start it with an hour, like Robbie talking about um, oh. going for a walk yep. and slowing down, like. If that's all you can do to start your practice of Sabbath, like that's a pretty darn creating, good start. Creating space, yeah, so that you can work on that loving union. Love it. I'm gonna change it to intense broship. <laughs> it doesn't have the same ring to it. Oh, it does. No, it's a bromance. I'm fine with that. That's better. <laughs> Intense bromance. Intense bromance. <laughs> Invest in your bromance. <laughs> or your loving union. Dear Lord. 
Oh, all right. Well, on that note, <laughs> hopefully this has given you some great things to talk about. Uh, if you vehemently disagree with us on anything, uh, go ahead and send that email to Gus at LiferOTP.com. <laughs> it's been a minute since we've thrown one out to him. If you love what we're telling you, then go ahead and send that to info at missionridge.church. And uh, we will catch you guys next time. <laughs> Peace. Bye. You've been listening to Footnotes on the Mission Ridge podcast. For more information about Mission Ridge, please visit our website at missionridge.church. Thanks for tuning in. We hope the rest of your week is straight up hashtag blessed and that you'll join us again next week for more Footnotes. Footnotes.